I want to welcome everybody to Pit Stop. It's your fortnightly midweek rest area to refuel your drive. I'm Karen Cummins. I'm an audiobook narrator and I'm the chief cartographer for narratorsroadmap.com. And I'm your host for Pit Stop. With me today in the co-pilot seat, as always, is my lovely friend and award-winning audiobook narrator, Ann Flosnick, who hosts the Narrator Uplift Show here on Clubhouse. How are you this afternoon, Ann? Great. Lovely to be here and excited to meet Aaron. Yes, I haven't met Aaron either, and so this is a true excitement, <laughs> exciting time. Yeah. Every other Wednesday, audiobook narrators who have vocations beyond narration pull into pit stop. They're sure to inspire you to follow your interests and use all of your talents and gifts. I want to let you all know the conversation's being recorded so you'll be able to re-listen or catch parts you missed. Feel free to comment in the chat and raise your hand in the app if you want to be part of the conversation, because we would love to hear from you. So thanks so much to everybody for joining us. And I am super excited to welcome Aaron Bennett to Pit Stop. Erin is an audiobook narrator, actress, singer, and voiceover artist whose passion for storytelling informs her love of narrating audiobooks. Winner of multiple earphones and Audi nominations, her genres vary widely, with 500 titles ranging from contemporary fiction to mysteries, nonfiction to fantasy. She has performed in regional theaters on both coasts, and her voiceover work spans animation, radio plays, video games, and commercials. So welcome to Pit Stop, Erin. We're so glad you're here. Oh, thank you so much, Anne and Karen, for having me. It's such a pleasure to be here. Yay. Well, it's, I am excited to meet you. I've seen your name for so long, and I'm sure we've crossed, but I don't think we've ever actually gotten to have a conversation. So the next hour is going to be a pure delight. You I've know, had conversations with both of you in my mind, if, if that counts for anything. <laughs> and I've recommend, I've sent many people to you. So, uh, you know, maybe that's, maybe that's just how it works. We look at each other's little avatar pictures and think about one another. And, and one day, one day, one lovely day in the future, we'll actually get to meet. Yes. Yeah. And I look forward to that. But Facebook and now Clubhouse have to stand us in the meantime. You know, I, I saw on your LinkedIn profile that you earned your Bachelor's of Fine Arts from Boston University. Are you from Boston? No, not at all. I'm from uh, a little town in Northern California called Napa, as in the Napa Valley. Uh, but <laughs> little I, town. I wanted to. Uh, I wanted to. I, I wanted to go someplace that was uh, that had a strong classical theater program. Um, the head of our program had been the head of Lambda, which is the London Academy of Music and Dramatic Arts for 13 years. And we had an exchange program where I did part of my junior year in London. Ooh. So it was it was a match made in heaven. And also, to be completely honest, I was a little intimidated by New York City. I wasn't quite ready for um, to <laughs> to try to try my hand at a place like NYU. But BU uh, when I went was one of the top, the top kind of classical education acting schools. So it was a, it was an intense four years. Um, we started with 50 actors. We ended up with 17. They, mm. they do these vicious cuts and you kind of, you know, come out of it going, I survived. And then it's just in time to dump you into the real world. Um, 
<laughs> and and the out of the frying pan into the fire, so so to speak. But I loved my time there. I learned things like the international phonetic alphabet uh, that have served me well um, in my narrating career. I didn't know I was going to be a narrator back in those days, um, but I, I found that my education has served me in in every way as it, in my career as an audiobook narrator. So that's a wonderful thing to look back and go, oh. The, the arts education mm-hmm. <laughs> actually had some benefit. <laughs> it all comes together. Well, what, what were you dreaming of at the time? Where did you see yourself going? Uh, I think my kind of my fever dream would have been to be in, say, like a Stephen Sondheim musical on Broadway, something that required to me, you know, just the heights of of understanding text and acting and also singing at the same time. That's kind of like, that's kind of like the home run derby for for me is uh, something like that um, or, or a great play or Shakespeare doing Shakespeare for, you know, 2000 people without a microphone. Mm. Um, those were. Yeah, the, those. But but actually, as I as I got out, you know, my my fantasies and my my dreams about what I thought an acting career was going to be changed as I say, went into a recording studio for a first time for the first time. Um, Well, tell us about that. What was that first studio experience? What were were you doing there? Well, what was was, it for? I was getting ready. I was getting ready to graduate from, from BU and someone suggested to me, you should make a, you should make a demo, like a commercial demo to send to, you know, radio stations or, or whatever. And I, I thought, okay, well, I can do that. The, the school has a little facility. And I went through a news, went through uh, magazines and tore out magazine copy. And then I went and I went through my CD collection and picked little bits of music. And I, you know, I made my own little commercials, whatever, and I cut them together and I, I sent them out to, um, I sent them out to a, a bunch of places and, uh, that was kind of my first inkling um, by being being in a studio that that I kind of I was intrigued. I was intrigued by what I was doing in a way that wasn't, um, you know, like an audition where I'm coming up to something and my heart's pounding and I'm doing 30 seconds of a monologue along with 60 other people in a in a room, you know, mm-hmm. on Eighth Avenue in a rehearsal studio and sweating through through my, through my clothes. <laughs> um, I felt comfortable and creative when it was just me and my voice. Hmm. I love that story, how you used magazine articles and your own CD collection to create your own demos. And, and then having the confidence in what you've done to actually put them out in the world. You know, so often I think we create something and then we start second guessing ourselves and oh no nobody's going to listen to this i shouldn't send it out kind of thing and and it it does kind of go against the traditional wisdom of getting somebody to produce a demo for you well this it was probably a good thing that i you know i have to say the, the caveat this was really before you know 2007 2008 when every, everything suddenly was online i 
I don't think I would have wanted my first <laughs> attempt, my first stab at commercial copy to have been my own thing that I did when I was 22. Um, I, I would say, you know, my, my, my commercials and things that I've done, I'm pretty careful about what's, what's out there on the internet because I have learned, I've learned that once it's out there, it's out there forever. And that can be, that can be freeing and that can be, that can also be constricting. Um, I think it's different, you know, tens of thousands of hours of probably of my voice is out there on the internet on, on, um, with the books that I've done, they're, they're there. But, you know, when you're, when you're competing in tight markets for, for voiceover work, um, you want it to be tight and professionally produced that that is very different from my experience as an audiobook narrator. I actually do not have any audiobook demos really um, because I, I have, you know, I have so many audiobooks I can just link to link to samples from. So the VO world is kind of different in that sense from the audiobook world. Um, and I love them both, but they're different. They're different animals. Mm-hmm. Did, did you move back to California from Boston and immediately start sending out commercial demos or what, how did this transpire? So not, not immediately. Uh, right after I graduated, I actually had a job at the, at, at, at BU. I was teaching a musical theater class for a summer program. And then uh, I lived in New York City for about a year. And I did some, I did some shows. I kind of got my, my feet wet. I got, you know, I got my little baptism by fire, um, auditioning and just doing the, doing the grind. Um, but then I had an opportunity to be managed by someone in LA. And since I'm from California and actually almost all my extended family is down in LA, I said, oh, well, sure, you know, give it a shot moved to LA. The manager then completely disappeared as soon as I moved. Um, That was, that was such a, that was such like, that's such an LA story. Like I remember this guy took, took, uh, took my boyfriend at the time and I out dancing in New York city, telling us about the great management company he was opening in LA and how he was going to manage both of us. And then as soon as we moved to L.A., he promptly disappeared. <laughs> mm. It's so disheartening, though. Oh, my gosh. Oh. I mean, that I, I'd actually forgotten about that for, for a long time. And then and then uh, my boyfriend at the time is now my husband reminded me. And I went, oh, my God, do you remember that? How traumatized we were by that? But mm. Oh, but good. It, I'm it, glad it was he who reminded you and not us because I didn't want to dredge up bad memories for no, you. <laughs> no, 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 no. This is, this is part of, this is the wonderful thing about, I love that word bittersweet because the further it gets in the rearview mirror, it gets less bitter and more sweet. Ooh. It just, it's just a, like the bitterness leaves that the, the, the bitterness and the sting of it when it happens is so, feels so all, uh, all consuming, mm-hmm. but I hadn't thought of it in years. And, um, and somehow it, it came up in conversation. I went, oh, wow. Remember that? Remember that? Remember when that happened? Remember how, how devastated we were? <laughs> you remember how we, we had to pick up our, ourselves up and, you know, fi- find another way? But 
that's all this career has been is picking up, picking yourself up and finding another way and to, to various degrees of, you know, poverty and success and um, resilience. So how did you make your way into audiobooks? Okay, so that, <laughs> that is that is a situation where I, I have to say, I had pretty decent timing for once in my life. Yeah. <laughs> um, so when after we, I'll just sort of fast forward a little bit. So, so we came to LA and I started, I, I had the great fortune to start making some TV commercials that, um, that were just kind of when they started to want real people. I don't know if you guys remember this, but they started to really want, they started to really kind of move away with some commercials away from glamour and, uh, they started to want people who were kind of quirky and kind of naturalistic. And I made some commercials and I did some substitute teaching and I started working in the regional theater and things were, you know, moving along. And, um, and then, um, I, I was do the, the way I got into audiobooks was I was recording a BBC radio play for the TV mm. show Torchwood, which I don't know if you guys remember, <sighs> Yes. They filmed a they filmed a series. They filmed a year at Paramount oh. um, in L.A. And I had to go audition for this radio play. I had to audition on camera. Okay, I had to put on the outfit and the makeup and do the hair and everything, and audition on camera for something that was going to be completely um, off camera. It didn't matter what I looked like, except you know, I guess in that moment, I thought, oh God, that's so L.A. Um, I, I don't know if you can tell, but I, I often feel very much like a fish out of water in LA. I, I feel like the most non LA person who's in LA, but, but I just, I just have to embrace the absurdity and love it. Um, so, so we're, we're, so I was really excited because it was, I guess the cast of Torchwood, um, John Barrowman, God bless him. Um, he, they, the, I guess the the Brit the British are nuts about the radio plays still, which I love because you know they were recording these alongside their you know their on camera TV show Torchwood, mm-hmm. so they needed the part of like an American uh, marine biologist or something. I auditioned for, I got it. I was recording it. They recorded it old school with you know mics and you have soft scripts and everybody's in the same room recording dialogue just like you're in a movie it's like just like an old-fashioned radio play mm-hmm. um the tech had and the techniques haven't changed i love it um and literally a, a producer stuck his head out toward the end of the day asked me if i did audiobooks i lied through my teeth said i did and had my first book Wow. Wow. Um, and I, in, in a panic, I went and consulted. So, uh, so that, that sounds almost like it kind of happened out of the blue. I had been doing some wonderful regional theater plays with some fantastic audiobook narrators. Um, and I'd started to notice what do all these great actors who I'm doing stuff at the Pasadena Playhouse with and a noise within and these great, we were doing a Noel Coward play with um, uh, some audiobook folks. And I was like, what do, what do they all have in common? The nicest actors in Los Angeles, the most talented actors in Los Angeles, who are doing the plays that I love, who are taking time to talk to me and include me, you know, as I'm kind of wandering or bumbling around the Pasadena Playhouse. <laughs> um, who, what do they all have in common? And they all did audiobook. They all did audiobooks. So I was starting to become aware um, 
that this was something that actors I admired all had in common. And I was just get, kind of getting interested in it when I had this this experience where I was kind of dropped into doing my first audiobook. Um, and I remembered at, at, at lunch, um, I remember Martin Jarvis was in the break room uh, and his wife, Rosalind Ayers, who, of course, I've grown up listening to both of them. Mm-hmm. And my jaw was just kind of on the floor. Um, we're all eating, all eating lunch together, you know, like it was a perfectly ordinary day. And mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, I remember that first day I went home and I felt like I had been beaten up. Yes. Uh, my, my whole body was just mm-hmm. sore. And I thought, what? what am I doing? You know what? I'm in way over my head. Um, this is, this is bad. This is, this is, how can anybody do this? Um, and then, you know, by the fifth day, the the final day, um, I think I thought, well, that's it. You know, (laughs) that's, that's the end of that. (laughs) It was fun while it lasted. It was fun while it lasted. And 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 maybe not so fun because you felt beat up, I'm sure, because of all the tension you were holding in your body of, you know, feeling nervous or oh, they're watching or all those feelings that I, we all relate to. I didn't know where to put, you know, I, I was worried about my, my peas and my, you know, and my mm-hmm. characterization and, uh, you know, I had to really cram reading the book and it, it was so all consuming. Yeah. And uh, I, I guess it was, you know, it was a serious job and uh, a serious job that requires absolute focus um but but flexible focus you know like you have to be there giving a performance but you have to be relaxed enough to to survive it well so obviously the fun wasn't over because that may have been the first but we know it wasn't the last (laughs) i know I know it's so funny. I'm coming up on like five, 500 or something. It's, it's, uh, I started in that first book. I'll never forget it. It was June of 2012. You know, how some dates are just kind of in there. Mm -hmm. That was, that was the day my first, my first book. And I think it was reviewed in audio, you know, it was like, like, Oh man, you know, talk about, talk about just being dropped into it. I was learning on the job. I, this was during a time when, there was a huge surge in demand for audiobooks. I think this was mm-hmm. Audible was suddenly putting out huge swaths of content and uh, or content. I'm not saying that word anymore. Um, of <laughs> of book of books, you know. And there was a huge demand, and I just happened to be an actress working in the next room over, you know, from someone who, you know, was. <laughs> Can you can you do this? You know, I'm sure I'm sure they were pelting him with projects. I, I think people started to get overwhelmed with, you know, we oh, we gotta do this, we gotta do this, we gotta do this. And they needed people. And um yeah, I was I was very fortunate to start start during that time. I'm I'm very I'm very sensible of the that the timing was good. And when I think of all all the other things I've wanted to do, you know, I and things that I've loved and that have happened and haven't happened. And, oh, wouldn't it have been great to, you know, grow up doing Clifford Odette's plays in the 1930s, you know, feeling like you're born in the wrong time or that there's something about 
your talents that don't line up with what's happening in the culture. Um, I, I got lucky. I got lucky that they needed people and I was there. But you still here. That's what it comes down to. <laughs> no, 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 no. Because you're still here, Aaron, and that takes talent. You know, all these years and on all the changes that you'll have seen in your career, because it's not static. From starting in 2012, that there's the whole digital revolution and goodness knows what. That's right. You're yes, mm-hmm. absolutely. Mm. I want to go back for a second. You said I'm not using the word content anymore, and this is kind of this is kind of jumping around a little bit but i know you were quoted today in a washington post article titled ai is coming for your audiobooks you should be worried does that have to do with your sentence i'm not saying the word content anymore uh, you know I, see stuff just comes out of my mouth and i <laughs> well because i'm why, thinking maybe i shouldn't talk about making content either so i'm no, curious no, why it, you said that you know what i i'm i'm glad you mentioned it i because i have been following you know i'm on i'm i'm striking with our with our fellow sag aftra um brethren and our writers mm-hmm. with the wga who mm-hmm. are have been making really salient points about about when everything is reduced to the concept of content that this is just stuff to fill, to, you know, to, to fill a void, you know, that it's not a book or it's not a a screenplay or a teleplay or, or a novel that, that let's call these things, let's give them the honor and the dignity of what they are, you know, works of art, um, an article, a, a poem, a play, Mm -hmm. (laughs) a playwright, you know, these, like, I, I, I forget sometimes that words have meaning that they really have meaning they have uber meaning and um and i mean that in the original sense of the word not like uber mensch not not um not not uber the car so trying to like get back to brass tacks and go what what do i do do i narrate content do i create hours of content that can then be manipulated and no i'm narrating an audiobook i'm an actor who's narrating an audiobook. This is somebody's work. This is somebody's livelihood. And this is my work and my livelihood too. Mm-hmm. So I'm just trying to be more circumspect and not use not use the words of, you know, I'm not just grist for some some mm-hmm. mill, some content mm-hmm. mill. We're not we're artists and we're we're creating we're creating things that are have that have value. And I just want to that's my long way of saying, uh, you know, I want to try to be conscious about the words that I use when they're important. Yeah. I really like that philosophy. I, you know, I split my time between being a narrator and being a website owner, but I develop a lot of stuff for that site. Like right now I'm working on creating a video course. I mean, it's going from a thought in my mind to an actual thing that people can use and and I have thought of it as content and I love what you just said because that really does diminish it. I mean it's taking me hours, weeks, months and and it diminishes the work that's going into it, the thought, the creativity. And now you've got me I'm I'm not going to say content anymore either. So 
And well, I didn't know I was going to suddenly put a ban on the word content for myself until it flew out of my mouth a couple Well, we're all ago. going to raise that banner now. It's like, <laughs> but, no, it's know, not content. But, but why not? Like, let's let's mm. make it not content. Let's let's talk about what you're creating. And um, there's there's so much noise. There's so much noise on everywhere we look on on these devices that we hold in our pockets. And I, I, I feel like I'm surrounded by content, but I'm, if I know what's good for me, mm-hmm. I'm looking for something of quality. And that's what I should be putting in my brain and my, mm. in my consciousness. And your videos that are carefully curated and, and, and crafted, um, you know, I don't want to class that with, you know, some of this, junk that just kind of keeps me clicking around um mindlessly clickbait yes yeah yeah mm-hmm. yeah that's such a great point and whether i'm creating videos i mean i obviously i link to a lot of things that other people have done but i'm only linking to stuff that i think is really good and valuable to the narrator community i don't link to just anything and you have yeah. to be a credible person giving credible advice for me to want to share what you're saying. And and I think that's true of all of us in this field that, you know, with there's so many people coming into it, flooding in, seems like, you know, we we want people to know what are best practices and yes, how to approach this thoughtfully and as a serious career. And I so, appreciate so much your thoughtfulness about that because, you know, I, like I said, I, you know, I'm kind of this fish out of water in LA and, you know, I'm surrounded, I'm surrounded by this dream factory mm-hmm. and there's such a dark side to that dream factory. And I see it every day. You know, I, I, I've, I've learned, I've learned to be a little more sanguine and, and humored by it than, you know, before in the days when I was going from commercial audition to commercial audition in my, you know, little rattletrap matchbox car, you know, <laughs> like trying, trying to give this air of, you know, oh, I'm a successful person. Wouldn't you be lucky to have me, you know, doing all mm-hmm. that, all that crap and that, that sort of, come, you know, come to LA, be a, be a big star. I mean, it, it's all around us. Mm-hmm. Um, and I feel like there's some of that in the voiceover world too. And there's a lot of, there's a lot of fantasy. I mean, I mean, to be completely honest with you, I have to say when I was a kid and actually this, this lasted a hell of a lot longer than it should. This concept in my mind, I was like, one one day I'm going to go to New York city. And you know what I thought New York city was, I thought New York city was some amalgamation of like movie musicals I'd seen in the forties. Plus the Muppets take Manhattan. Um, where, you know, like suddenly they just all like go to Broadway and, you know, like they just, I, I think I, I'm one of those people who can be so taken in by the power of the mediums that we're, that we're surrounded by movies, um, audiobooks, the things I read, it, it, it takes, it takes on a like kind of a life of its own. So mm-hmm. I understand when people come to the the town that I live and work in and they kind of have a, a not clear idea of what it is. I can understand somebody who's sitting somewhere around, around, you know, this country or around the world thinking about what a career in audiobook narration must be like. And 
And, you know, they may think of it as some kind of like the movie version that I have it in my mind of what New York City was. <laughs> you know, it's, I have um, such kind of a capacity for, yes, imagination on one on one hand, but also like a little bit of self-delusion on the other mm-hmm. that I, I try, I really try to recommend people come to your sites um, because I want them to get information from people who aren't necessarily trying to make a living off of, off of, you know, uh, Selling dreams. Off yeah, of dreams, what, yes. Yeah. Yes, mm-hmm. so uh, so the fact that all this information is available and that you've curated it and put it out there for free, I just go, I, you know, I couldn't have, I couldn't have made you up in my head and tied you in a, a prettier bow uh, and, and presented you as a gift to, to aspiring narrators because, um, you know, there's a lot of, you know, there's, 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 there's an industry, this is a, a business. And that's something that I didn't realize for years and years and years. I just thought, I love Shakespeare. I, you know, I rolled around on the floor for four years doing my vocal exercises and they've helped me. <laughs> And they're and they're wonderful, and I can create characters and interpret scripts and things like that. But that has very little. That has butkus to do with the business. Mm-hmm. Well, and I said I was going back to your content about your comment about content, but I also want to go forward. But it's also kind of back because you mentioned a few times about feeling like you are in the wrong century or born at the wrong time. And a big reason I wanted to have you on is because you're also a professional singer. And it, I'm so fascinated with your group, the Harmony Dolls. I mean, because you all sing Lennon Sister songs and you dress up like them. I mean, it's, yeah, it's yeah, so really? incredible to me. How did this even come about? So uh, uh, I did it. I did it. A musical um, at the well, it was called the Falcon Theater. It's now called the Gary Marshall Theater uh, here in Toluca Lake. Um, I did a musical with my friend uh, Gail Bianchi. She asked me to audition for this group doing Andrew Sisters music, and I said, "Oh, I love Boogie Woogie Bugle Boy and Don't Sit Under the Apple Tree." And they needed a they needed a soprano, um, somebody to do the sort of the higher line. Although the Andrew Sisters were like, uh, I I heard this once from I think one of our band members he said the Andrew sisters really thought of themselves like saxophones they hmm. they jump all over they don't stay the high the soprano doesn't stay on the high line they in they fly they got bored easily they flew they fly into each other's vocal lines all the time so it's really um quite quite remarkable um to, to sing. And, and the ladies that you see there in that picture, uh, Gail Bianchi and uh, Megan Briones, who's the, the producer, um, I've been singing with them for, gosh, I think almost 10 years now. And we have a ball. Uh, we have a seven-piece band we perform with. Um, we had the great honor of performing at the First Lady's Luncheon in Washington, D.C. last year. Yes. I was, um, I, I mean, I was just so thrilled for you to see when I read that story. And I, I had that in mind. That's why I was thinking I have got to talk to her because this is such a disparate thing for your, from your audiobook narration. Well, I mean, I, I've been singing since I was a kid and um, this was kind of the perfect way to 
to, to, to keep my toe in it. You know, I, I, the day, the days of me, you know, auditioning for big musicals or to go on, try to go on tour or something are, are just not happening. It's not, um, that's, that's just not aligning. Um, I think in either my desires or my, or my ability right now. Um, and this is such a wonderful way to shake the dust off and get to sing with a, a band and a trio. And, um, I, I love this music. I mean, when I sing it, when we sing like Bin, begin the begin or, um, there's even, I mean, some of these songs, people would look and be like, oh, that's so cheesy or so treacly or so sentimental. And I just go, I sh all I can do is shake my head because this music is timeless to me. Yes. And, um, you know, I studied piano as a child. My, my mom said, hey, you want to be a, you want to be a singer on Broadway? You, you should, you're going to learn how to read music. And I'm so grateful she did. Um, and my father was a, self-taught was a, he's alive but but like and in his youth he was a self-taught um trumpeter and pianist and guitarist so mm. my sister's a composer so we we have we have music music kind of flowing through our family and um yeah i love i love singing with these with these gals and we you know it's it's something that has a i would want to say like a limited audience it's not um I mean, this is pro approaching music of, this is the forties, you know, it's really thirties and forties. Uh, it's, it's really from long ago. Um, but when, but when as you people, said, it is timeless. It is. I, I think it is. And I, I love, I love singing it. Did, did you get to meet Joe Biden at that luncheon? No, they, they keep, they keep everybody um, pretty far away from the dais. <laughs> oh, where uh where everybody was sitting and and a good thing too because i of course came home uh with covid uh, oh. that. so uh i came home i i looked at my husband i said i'll be in the i'll be in the other room i'm going to stay there until i'm over this but oh, it was worth it um i think i think i know where i where i got it it was at the luncheon and that uh you know it just mm. but i had a big smile on my face um i was like here we go Paxlovid. <laughs> well, I saw in in 2021 yeah. that you sang for the 80th anniversary of Pearl Harbor, and you mm -hmm. thanked the USO for having you back. So, do you do uh, engagements with the USO often? We do. We do sometimes. You know, a COVID COVID was very difficult. Um, that kind of a lot of things stopped and. Um, and also, I, you know, I'm not the, we're, we're not the only three that, uh, that you see in that picture. We've got, we've got about three different casts of, of ladies, which is great because I, I couldn't possibly go on all the gigs. I mean, they just did one at the Bel Air Club a couple weeks ago that looked gorgeous. Um, uh, so we've got like three sopranos, three mezzos, three altos. And that's great because everybody travels, everybody's you know, doing different things. And so when I, you know, when I get these, these gigs, I, I really treasure them. I wondered how you were managing to split your time between doing that and being in a recording studio, narrating a book. Well, what's nice is that a lot of these gigs are on the weekends and I try to keep a schedule, a pretty strict nine to five or not nine to five Monday through Friday um, recording schedule 
And I really try to give myself weekends off. Serena Shull wrote in the chat that she has an idea for you. She said she's not sure if this fits, but have you heard of Lizzie and the Triggermen? Because maybe she uses opening acts or would like to hire you, I guess. Oh, my gosh. Thank you so much. I'll, I'll send that on to our producer. So you're not having to do all the scheduling of the group. You have a producer that's doing that. Oh, Karen, that is a that is a job. That is a job that I do. I cannot do. Um, I am very, uh, I'm very, very pleased to get, to get an email saying, here it is. Can you do it? Um, and checking my calendar. Um, that is, as you know, it's, it's so much, it's so much work and so much time. So, um, yes, I'm, I'm very, I'm very happy to, to leave that, um, and, and, and the, the, you know, the self-promotion and the competition and bidding on job, all the things they do is, uh, mm its own, its own small business. Because I guess you're still having to promote yourself as a narrator, even as prolific as you are. Oh, Karen, it's, <laughs> yes, I have avoided it. Uh, I have avoided it to the extent that I can avoid it, but I can't avoid it any longer. <laughs> I think something happens when you kind of have been around a while. Um, you know, you can get, there are, there are new, there are new people all the time. And, you know, my fight, I think now is probably not a fight, but my challenge is to uh, stay, stay relevant. Is that what the, is that what the people are calling it these days? Um, To stay top of mind. And, you know, because I was new to everybody once, mm. um, but there are new producers, new publishers. Yep. I'm, you know, I always want to be new to people and not, oh, you know, we've heard her a thousand times. So. Yeah. Anna and I have talked about that a lot and you're always saying, oh, there's new people coming and new. Yeah. Yeah. You've got to keep on your toes and it isn't even just that. It's just the whole industry. Everything about what we do changes so rapidly. And the people that are casting us, the whole gamut of it, the skills we need, the landscape of, you know, the, um, variety of things that we need to be doing and aware of it just doesn't stop <laughs> yes it doesn't and when here okay here's here's the here's the the i don't know the thing i'm just going to use it because i don't have the right word here's the here's the thing that kind of makes me take pause so um i was on the apac planning committee for last last year mm. uh i was co-chair of of the production track at, at apac and so when we'd be thinking of people sometimes, like oh, who would be a great panelist for blah, 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 blah. Mm -hmm. Well, who comes to the top of your mind? Someone you've worked with or mm -hmm. worked for. And maybe somebody comes into your mind because you've, I don't know, seen them on social media mm -hmm. or seen something, an article they were featured in or whatever. And I go, how do, how does that happen? How do we create perceptions of people who we might not not have ever met before, mm. but we need to know who they are in this business. And some of that is a social media presence. Mm -hmm. It's essential. So uh, I know. So uh, would I would I love to just be you know working away in a studio and closing the door at you know three <laughs> thirty in the afternoon, picking up my kid from preschool and yeah. and be being done with it. 
Yes. Of yeah. course I would. Yeah. But at least we had those days, Erin. I mean, the people coming now, that's, the genie doesn't go back in the bottle kind of a thing. The, the way we march forward is, is the way it continues on. It's never going to go back to, to those halcyon days that we knew. So at least we had them. Um, but we're moving with the times, and, and that's a good thing. And we'll we'll raise a glass to those times. Um, <laughs> I remember when I was still doing in person auditions with my my voiceover agent in Beverly Hills for and this is this is not audiobook related. This is other other voice voiceover stuff. I used to sit in the waiting room, and some of these some of these older guys, you know, who were like you know, like here, here, young pop, let me tell you the way it used to be. <laughs> let oh, me yeah. tell you, let me tell yeah. you a tale, sit by, mm -hmm. sit by the fire and let me tell you the way it used to be before, mm -hmm. you know, when, when this business was X, blah, 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 blah. So I, yeah. I know, I know that this all comes in waves. We're all doing something for 10 years and then it changes or, and here it seems to even change much quicker than that. Um, Yes. I don't know about you, Anne, but my first script was uh, was a paper script. I was in a yes. studio. Uh, lunch was provided. I had a director and an engineer. That's mm -hmm. those days are <laughs> those days are he's still here, maybe for some. But um, that was that was. Uh, yeah, lots of things. Lots of things have changed. And um, here we are in Clubhouse. Yeah, brilliance yeah. used to fly yeah. in to their studio. I know. And put me up. Yeah. yeah. <sighs> no, but it's all good. You know, it, it has to all be good. And that, so I'm just saying, I'm glad I had those times, but now I, you know, have to embrace what it is going forward. Yes. And you know what? I think, where would I be without audiobooks? I sometimes, mm. I think, you know, I, I feel like the OG, like, you know, bottom mm. the weaver in Midsummer Night's just let me play every part you know like just I was always that person I was always that person so oh. you know here it I just get to let it let it fly and um and I go where you know where where would I be and the and the nicest the best people in the world like I I, I mean that sincerely um I don't know I I wouldn't want to be in I don't know how plying my trade would look if I weren't narrating. Hmm. Um, I've got a much more balanced, happy life. Um, and I'm, I'm grateful for it every day, but, mm -hmm. but, Anne, Karen, we're still gonna, we're still gonna have a little glass of brandy and. Um... Oh yes. <laughs> Here's to that. Well, I don't drink, but I'll be there with Coke. About, I mean, Coca-Cola, not the other kind of Coke. Co you know, Coca-Cola, <laughs> whatever the pleasure is. I'm not judging. Um. <laughs> well, I realized that didn't come out quite the way I wanted. They got sparkling water in every flavor now. Don't worry. We, we've, <clears throat> got, we've got something for everyone. <laughs> we, we do. And we can't let you go. I'm sure you have a, a more refined question about this, Karen. But now that you're, you know, moving along and, and you have your role in the APA, you have to tell us all about that. Oh, yeah, my gosh. I was, exactly. I was just, great minds think alike because I was going there too. I know you were. The, the, you, she is officially the VP of voice talent for the Audio Publishers Association. 
Okay, so let me tell you what that means in English. Yeah, I tell still us. don't understand what an executive producer or an executive vice president or a senior VP, people with all these cool corporate titles. I I need to I need to read a list somewhere and educate myself because, um, basically what that means is here's 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 my goal as um, VP of Voice Talent Communications within the APA is to serve the members of the APA particularly those who are audiobook narrators, to foster communication and partnering with the people who we, who, who we make audiobooks with. Hmm. I want to foster development and relationships between producers, publishers, and narrators because we're all partners in the business. Hmm. And I know coming from an actor's perspective coming from an actor's point of view. I know not everybody who who's, who is successful in audiobooks comes from this background, but just using my own experience, it can often feel like a very unmatched, unbalanced uh, kind of kind of relationship. Mm-hmm. And what I'm trying to do is to to work with people on all sides of the audiobook audiobook making um uh, enterprise to to learn more about the business of audiobooks mm-hmm. and to kind of humanize each other mm-hmm. um like I, so going going back to like my weird thing like the the movies i watched as a child like <laughs> kind of informed mm-hmm. my young adulthood to kind of an absurd <laughs> extent i kind of thought like you know, a producer of anything was like a guy sitting at a big table with a big cigar and a, you know, like a ha ha, you know, it's like straight out of like who framed Roger Rabbit. I mean, this is like, you know, I, 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 maybe it's just because I'm, I'm, I've been easily intimidated by my experience in the kind of the Hollywood, the the little corner of Hollywood, which I was involved, um, that, and as an actor, I have felt so small and so, you know, sort of like Oliver Twist, you know, please, sir, I want some more, you know, like, can I, can I please, <laughs> please pour some gruel into my bowl so I can pay my rent, you know, like, it, it, it's, it's kind of a, it's kind of an icky position to be in. And I was in it for quite a long time, um, feeling you know, can I ask for this? Or I, I want, I want, I want, I want so much, please pick me. Please. And, and now in my, you know, now that those days are kind of comfortably a bit in the rearview mirror, um, to some extent, I kind of want to go, no, I'm, I'm a big, important piece of what these folks are making. They can't make it without me. So maybe I should realize my own worth on one hand and another hand, try to better understand where those folks in the business are coming from. So I can, I can partner with them mm-hmm. rather than, you know, sitting on my hands, waiting, waiting to be chosen or hoping, hoping that something comes in. I'm not saying that still doesn't happen. It sure does. Hmm. Low August at the moment, but, um, you know, <laughs> it trying to empower, um, empower narrators we're members of the audiobook publishers association and you know let's stand up and be counted and let's uh let's let people know what we need and let's find out what 
everyone else needs so we can so we can provide it. Are you uh, yeah. going to New York regularly for meetings for that or is it all we, on the phone or we just had we just had uh, the big board meeting in New York that was very exciting um, meeting meeting everyone face to face having having the board meeting um, Robert's rules of order is that is that what it's called you know the motion and oh I and you know just the it, the, the officialness of it and and the um, you know, it's it's serious on 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 one hand. Um, you know, this is a trade association, and this is a this is a, a, a powerful industry. Um, but ultimately, we're all we're all people, mm-hmm. and so I'm trying to get to know uh, my fellow board members as people, and also as business partners. Uh, to, to that end, there's a brand new um, s- uh, series of webinars that we're, I'm going to be hosting called the Business Hour. Oh. And that's all going to be on the APA website um, that you can sign up for if you're a member of the APA. Um, I think there's first... one next, is it next week or week after next? Yeah, it's the, 20, the 25th, I believe, 9 a.m. Pacific time, 12 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. And we're going to, our first guest, we're going to talk to Michelle Cobb, who's the executive director, but also an indie producer herself, indie publisher. So mm-hmm. I'm going to talk to her and then also talk to uh, Ronnie Butler, the wonderfully talented actor who is the outgoing VP of Voice Talent Communications. So we're going to kind of see what he's learned from his time. And um, and then in the future, I mean, we're going to talk to Adam from Positron. We're going to talk to producers, studio owners, publishers, actors. Um, I also wanted to make my email available for anybody who wants to contact me for any reason, anything they'd like to be brought up. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I'm keeping everything, uh, by the way, completely confidential. I'm never going to reveal names. If you have you know, a touchy situation or something that you're like, I, I really want to keep this quiet. I, I, I'm using all of this I want to use narrators' experiences, narrators' concerns and questions, narrators' complaints and rants, and narrators' uh, uh, comments and re- and reviews about good things that are happening in the business, um, completely confidentially shared with with many of our guests when we're having conversations. So, if anyone wants to email me, um, is it okay if I put my email in the chat? Uh, Absolutely. Okay, great. I'm going to figure out how to do that. Oh, how can you? It's like it's like walking and chewing gum at the same time. Um, I will figure out how to do that. Oh, here uh, we go. If Room I... chat. Here we go. Okay, Aaron. Oh, oh, okay, great. Here it goes. I've got it. Great, Bennett. You are empowered. <laughs> well, I, you know, let's have a look at it. Here we go. Let's, you know, I, I want. I want us to feel I did I did this for kind of selfish reasons, I gotta say. Like I went, what is what is keeping me from I don't know, maybe feeling as confident as I should? What is keeping me from from I don't know, what 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 prevents me from feeling equal to any situation I'm in where there's a, a publisher in the room? What 
what's that little tiny thing in my voice that goes, mm, you got to be really careful now, or, you know, don't say the wrong thing. Or I'm one of those foot in the mouth people. Like when I, when I don't feel completely comfortable, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm the person who just says something kind of awkward. <laughs> and then there's that dead silence. <laughs> and then, and then the, you know, the, the polite person covers it or changes the subject, but I know when I'm not totally comfortable. Mm-hmm. So I was like, what, what is, what is keeping me from feeling this way? And I think part of it is keeping us, I, I have a sense of mystery with the, the publishers in the audiobook publishers association. Mm-hmm. And I want to change that. I think knowledge is power. Yeah. Will the episodes be, I know that's the the webcast, will they be recorded, Erin? They will. And I believe they will be available to, um, to re, uh, to rewatch, um, much as this chat is available to, to replay, correct? It will be. And and in fact, it will be on podcast platforms in a couple months. So Oh my gosh. Oh, you're, you're so ahead of the game. Oh, you're so ahead of the game. He's amazing. I love, I love that you, pl- I love that you play the harp, like, like, a, uh, like a Renaissance queen. And yeah. then, and then. I think you- Renaissance queens played it better. Oh, <laughs> and, and then, and, but you're, but you're the most tech savvy, like what, what is this cool thing called Clubhouse? What the hell? I'm stuck in the stone age. This is, people are complicated and magical. And I, I just love that. Um, so. Wait, well, <laughs> you, you are the perfect person to be spearheading this new initiative, the perfect bridge and conduit, for want of a better word, for, you know, what you're visualizing between the producers, the narrators and, and the whole industry. Coming you together. saw what it Thank was. You. Thank you. Mm-hmm. I, I want, I want us, there's so much, there's so much that's happening that um, there's so much that's happening that that is happening so fast. I'm all, also one of those people who always feels like I'm the last to know. I'm the last to hear, <laughs> and I'm like, like, why do I know that? And it doesn't mean that it doesn't mean that I have to gossip. It it mm-hmm. me, but it means that I want to be I want to be thinking uh, about yeah. I just I just want to know more. And and for so long, I was so happy to put my head down, be in my booth from, mm-hmm. you know, nine 30 to three and, mm-hmm. you know, and just, and, and be thankful, you know, that the work, that the work kept coming. Yeah. But I don't know, I guess, I don't know. I'm a, I'm a mom and, and I'm thinking, you know, if I'm going to, if I'm going to like, uh, you know, my kid's going to go to college eventually. Um, she might not want to, uh, it's not for everybody, but if she does, you know, I'm like, I've got to, I'm in this for the long haul. Yes. And I want to be, I want to be smart and I want to help. I want to help other narrators. If anyone feels a a fraction of the way I do sometimes intimidated, Mm -hmm. um, I want to help. I want to help them and they're, and they're by helping myself. Mm -hmm. And I also want to humanize I think there there are kind of a lot of things that I'm not saying publishers sit in a in an ivory tower and have no concept of what we do, um, but I have a, I have a big concept of what my, I do and what my life is like and what mm-hmm. and what other narrators who I talk about what their lives are like, and I want everybody to succeed. Mm-hmm. 
So, you know, I want to, I want to rise, you know, let's, let's lift that tide and lift all the boats with it. Yeah. Well, you're going to be the perfect lady for that. Absolutely. No, I just talk a lot. (laughs) You ask questions and it just all comes out. I spend a lot of time by myself talking to myself. Can you tell? (laughs) In this booth. No, you are good and true, Erin. It it shines forth and, you know, your heart's in the right place and you are a fabulous communicator. So that's all it takes. You know, good heart and mind and say what you think, you know, and you are. Thank you. That means a lot to me. And I will tell you, I'll be completely honest with you. After that first board meeting, which was, I think, five, five hours in person, four or five hours in person, I did, I did go back to the house, the hotel and I collapsed on, and I think I napped for like 45 minutes. I just Mm. was Mm. dead to the world because it Mm. it is, it is a lot. Um, Mm. It is a lot, but it is also exciting. There are so many businesses that are trying to stay alive in this mm-hmm. time right now. Yes. Um, I don't want to say that I like have a, a smell, like a radar for, for desperation or anything like that. <laughs> but, but what, what is so nice about audiobooks is that as long as I've been involved in them, they've been a rising, expanding industry. And mm-hmm. it is exciting to be in something that's that's rising. I mm-hmm. for a while during my regional theater career, as soon as I would work at a place, it would go it would go um it would go dark. Like oh. the season is you know this was like around 07 08. Yes. Um and there's no connection between those two statements. Cuz no, you said as soon as no. I worked there, it would go dark. <laughs> yeah, no, and I would go, go what did I do? You know, and then like realize right because that's 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 an immature actors perspective about everything right everything is all about me mm-hmm. and it's my fault that it was bad right like <laughs> right that those are <laughs> those are that's the that's the psychological mindset of i didn't blame myself but but that was always the like i knew i knew to sort of filter that out after a while but that was always my first impulse was like oh what did i do but but then i realized you know i, I don't the theater has been dead for years and keeps keeps rising but I, I did have that sense that something about this career that I loved so much for first of all, wasn't able to pay a living wage in Los Angeles. Just have to say it. Sorry. There it is. Um, without, without, you know, supplementing it with commercials and voiceover work and all that stuff. But um, I mean, not even to make a, two, you know, a one or two bedroom apartment. It, it's just, that's just the reality that nobody tells you. And things have just gotten just, exponentially worse. The Mark Taper Forum here is closing their season. You know, these are tough times also post COVID. Mm. So to have, to have sort of felt that happening as audiobooks started to rise and I was talking to, you know, I'm sitting on the Pasadena Playhouse fire escape with Mark Bramhall, right. And we're just talking about how great, you know, Noel Coward is or whatever. And, you know, I realized that he was able to make a living being in, being a regional theater, making, you know, a top theater salary for this town doing eight shows a week, mm. but also narrating audiobooks. Uh, going, Oh, this is how we survive. Mm-hmm. So I also, I am very aware that this is also about survival. Our, our union health insurance, <laughs> mm-hmm. um, 
this is how a lot of people in the arts can make a living. Um, and I, I don't take any of that lightly. I, I, I think that's kind of a, a sacred calling. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm proud, like, I'm proud of, of what actors have achieved. And I'm, pr- I'm proud that in this world of, you know, 240 characters and tiny, tiny little short 20 second videos on TikTok, that there are people who have appetites for 11 hours of audiobooks. Mm, mm-hmm. That mm-hmm. is just, mm-hmm. uh, that's a miracle that I never saw coming ever, ever. Mm. Like, I never knew. I thought that was just like something quaint from like my childhood, like listening to The Hobbit that I, you know, <laughs> that I carried over. But yeah. the fact that as everything gets shorter and attention spans get smaller and mm. all this, that people would want to invest in hours and hours of listening to a human voice. I mean, and to that I point, Erin, do you remember the day when you would record or anybody of, of our era would record an audiobook and then automatically having finished the complete one, you go on to the abridgment and that's a thing of the past. <gasps> no, Anne, I don't, rem- I don't remember no? that. I do. Oh, I, I predate I, you. <laughs> no, no, no. It's, it's, this isn't, no, I, but I am, I am, I'm so eager. I, I'm, I, we, we need to learn about this. We <laughs> I, look, I was talking with a with a, a bunch of folks uh, earlier on who had no concept. They had no concept that that um, things were ever you know using tape, or that you went into a studio with you know a director. That things were mm-hmm. live directed. So so people have um, people have to are we have to be educated. Um, or that such a small, um, a small stable of narrators sometimes worked for mm-hmm. only one publisher. Mm-hmm. Yes, yes, and and did books that they were wildly inappropriate for. I mean, and the whole world has changed, just just everything. Um, but no, I was kind of making the point though that now it's more long form, more and more and more in what we do. There aren't abridgments anymore. Yes. They have gone. And so that's kind of an odd thing, which kind of, it's, it's, I'm saying it to prove your point. Yes, or, yes. You know, yeah, bolster that in that there is, there, there is a, a, a desire. Well, now because it's so much easier, instead of having to go and, you know, th- those cassette cases would be big. I mean, if you had a 30 uh, CD book, that was a, <laughs> a big doorstop of a thing. And now you're just walking around, anybody is, with, with their phone and they have a library and, and it's there it wasn't yeah. weren't abridgments uh specifically for the length of the cassette tape i believe because you could only get like something like 47 minutes on each side mm-hmm. so you had to you had to you were limited by yes. the amount um that you could get on on each side i mean i have my first like yeah. my dad's hitchhiker's guide to the galaxy six cassettes i mean i remember how each one side a and side b started mm-hmm. in each one because i mm-hmm. wore those things out <laughs> Bless you. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. And abridgers had whole careers like John McElroy and um Lisa Khan. They yes. abridged audiobooks. Lisa Khan oh see, mm-hmm. see I'm learning something every day. Um we, you know what we should have we, you know we should have, I think for one of these business hours, we need to have a fireside chat with the the, the old the the old 
Hoary days of old, H-O-A-R-Y days of old. When ice covered the earth, um, the, the way it was. Yes, um, perspective. Was, yes, yeah. perspective. That's it, perspective. Mm -hmm. Yeah, where don't, we've been. Because right. you can't know where you're going if you don't know where you've been. Well, you, you know what I mean. Or, or it's better to know where you've been. That's history. Yes. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah, absolutely. We need, we need perspective. So mm -hmm. that, you know, that's, that's part of, and publishing, you know, it, it's a very, it's a very ancient um, art form, if you will, maybe mm -hmm. not as old as people telling stories around a campfire or a, a you know, bail, yes. but it is still, it's, you know, and it's, and it's mostly, and it's been print for so long. Yes. Audio is such a relatively new arm that I think we need to understand that that's, you know, a gigantic ship that moves, that moves slowly. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we, the way things are now, you've got to be sort of like a speedboat, you know, run, running mm -hmm. around and adapting mm -hmm. and, you know, a, a book up here and a, all the different ways that you market books and indie publishers and all this stuff are, are a very different kind of um, boat, if you will. So and each boat that we ride in demands a new technological skill that's the other thing i mean once upon a time all you had all in inverted commas you had to do was be able to narrate the book that was your only job now look at all the hats that we have to wear and they will not get less they will get more i predict and yes. maybe it, 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 it will be the industry is still very young but at some point somebody will write a history of this aaron and you karen and myself will be in it i hope <laughs> look at that it, in glorious in glorious uh, audio um of this <laughs> this little apogee plug-in usb mic that's going into my phone you know uh, you know what just kills me i used to listen to these things i everyone's listening on this crappy little mp3 right mm -hmm, mm -hmm. when we have the gloriousness of wave files available to us um but you know this technology is just going to get bit bigger and yes. better S sometime yeah. someday it's going to be stereo surround perfect sound mm -hmm. uh coming out of everybody's phone somehow they'll do or it some some sound that we don't even know about yet that isn't called stereo it's called something else because it's bound to be something else Aaron, it's always something else that demands another learning curve. But it is. That's the maybe, way it is. maybe we can yeah. smell the audiobook at that point. I mean, <laughs> no, I'm not sure we'd want to. <laughs> yeah, absorb it. Yes, osmosis. Oh. Osmo audiobooks. Well, this has really been such a wonderful conversation, Aaron, and we're already past the hour, but I cannot let you get away without answering a pit stop hot seat question. And I think the one I'll ask you is because you've talked about watching movies and of certainly all the books you've read, which fictional character do you wish was real and why? Oh, it's got to be so, it's Merlin from The Once and Future King. Interesting choice. And why? Because so The Once and Future King, when Merlin is transforming the wart, right, Arthur, young King Arthur, into animals. Um, so he can see the world like a king would or like a peasant would. Um, oh, gosh, Mer Merlin was probably the either Merlin or um, or Gandalf, probably from the Lord of the Rings and the Hobbit. Interesting. Both both fantasy um, characters. Mm -hmm. I just I've always wanted to take tea with a wizard. 
<laughs> Sounds like it'd be fun. Yes. And do you have any advice you can share with other people who want to expand their horizon beyond narration? Beyond beyond narration? Yes, because like you're narrating and you're singing and and oh. now you're taking on this part with the APA in a greater capacity and Okay, so I would say I would say learning to trust your gut over your head is a, is really hard to do. I work at I'm working at it every day. But I find that it's times that I've had an instinct and trusted it that have led me to a a good a good opportunity rather than just thinking of something from the top down and working it out logically. So, um, you know, if your love of music, you know, it leads you to some pretty esoteric stuff. Well, look, you know, I'm in the harmony dolls. I'm singing this stuff all the time. Um, there's a, there's a place for your, for your art, mm -hmm. I guess. Yeah. There's a, there's a place, there's a place for all this to go. Um, I just wish everyone a, a smooth journey as possible. Um, it's never smooth and it's never easy, but it's no. it's worthwhile. Yes, keep the faith. Yes. And, yeah, and you are the perfect person at the helm now <clears throat> that will be helping us all to keep the faith. And it's wonderful to have that line of communication with you privately <clears throat> to express, you know, the things that are, are on our mind and um, then you'll be able to bring those to higher levels. Please do. I'm keeping I'm keeping copious notes about communications I'm getting from actors. I'm categorizing them into, you know, possible uh, topics of conversation for the business hour. So mm. everything that is sent to me, I read and I'm making notes of. So um, uh, I take it very seriously what my fellow actors have to say. Marvelous. And your email address is in the chat if people want to scroll up and find it because you had uh, left that earlier. Do you, yes, please. Do you have any final words or anything you want to plug or, you know, what's coming up for you? That's that's coming up. The, for me, the, the business hour is coming up. Um, that's kind of the, the big thing that I'm the the overarching thing that I'm mm -hmm. looking at. Um, mm -hmm. uh, you know, there are so many highs, highs and lows and. Um, you know, I've been I've been booked I've been booked pretty consistently and solidly for for ten years now, and I'm I'm very lucky uh, to be able to say that. I'm looking at you know a, a little bit of a lighter schedule. Um, I'm trying to trust that. So you know, mm -hmm. I'm practicing what I preach all the time. Like a lot of this doesn't feel easy and it doesn't feel comfortable, but I'm trying to expand. Um, expand what I can do and, and, and leaving, leaving room for new ideas and new things to come. So it's so hard when you're just trying to plug away and, and be like, I, I want, I want a hundred books or I want 150 books or I want 200 books <laughs> and to just go, you know, maybe sometimes the universe is leading you in different directions and try to try to flow with it rather than fight it. Yes. Where were you five or six or seven years ago? Because I could have used that then. <laughs> I, I still have that today. I mean, so I, I appreciate you saying that so much of that maybe the universe is trying to lead us in a different direction than we imagined. And probably 
the things we want are coming to us, but in a way we didn't expect is what I think. Yes. And, and, and some of it means that there's time without, without immediate work, but I have to, I have to believe that the seeds that I'm sowing, Mm -hmm. like I, I, I forget sometimes about the work that I've put in. I forget that there were some actors we met we met at a recording studio and, and paid a, you know, paid a, a small fee to the engineer and the, the leader. Uh, we did a commercial voiceover workout group. I used to drive once a week to Santa Monica and do this from seven to 10 after, after hours. We just oh. did it to ply our, to just practice and work out. Mm-hmm. I forget sometimes that I did that, that I sat on that freeway and I Schlepped over after my working day, after my auditioning day, and I did it just so that I could be better at what I'm doing, mm-hmm. and that all that work and all that hassle and all that sitting on the freeway, uh, had had benefits years later that I, mm-hmm. you know, that I I I wasn't I wasn't realizing it in the moment, mm-hmm. but now they've come to fruition, and so now I gotta you know sometimes I gotta plant the seeds now and water and make sure it's got plenty of sunlight, knowing that something's going to sprout a little bit down the road that I don't even know about yet. Exactly. I, I so agree with all of that. And on that positive note, I think it's time for everybody to get back on the road. So we're going to conclude today's pit stop. The recording will be available on Clubhouse later today and probably sometime next week I'll post it with a transcript and links on narratorsroadmap.com. And I'm thrilled to report Pit Stop is now also available on your favorite podcast platform, including Apple and Audible. And who is coming up tomorrow on Narrator Uplift? Carol Munda, another industry legend. Hooray! Yes. Yeah, that will be fun. Mm-hmm. Well, I I appreciate everybody joining us today. We've had a lot of comments about the, it was a fantastic discussion, Erin. And, and mm-hmm. I hope all of you will take another road trip with us on August 30th, when we'll talk with audiobook narrator and publisher, Joe Hempel. In the meantime, I hope you find joy in every journey and live the life of your dreams. Thanks so much to Anne Flosnick for all your great questions and support. Thanks again, Erin, for this delightful conversation. It's been a joy to talk with you. And oh, it's, it's a privilege and an honor. Thank, thank you, Anne and Karen. Thank you so much. Oh, thank you. You're a star, Erin. You really are. And thanks to all of our audience for your comments and enthusiasm and for spending time with us today. Hope you all have a wonderful week, and we'll see you soon. Bye.